What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the brand new year. We are talking about one of the most incredible visual films I've ever seen in my whole life. It's Action Movie Anatomy 1917. We'll see you guys in just Welcome a second. To popcorn Talk. How it- News and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Oh, that's pretty cool. Actually. I actually like this. I like that. I can't hear myself at all. Can you hear yourself? Da, 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 da. I can't hear you, and I love it. <laughs> uh, what's up, everybody? Oh. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to 2020. We're back in studio. It's Action Movie Anatomy. We are live here talking about movies, talking about a movie that I don't think I would characterize as an action movie, but it definitely has a lot of action in it. Really? You wouldn't? I mean, it's not an action movie per se. You know, it's a it's a war drama, or but uh, it definitely has action in it. This is true. I, I actually do feel like this is an action movie. Okay. Even though I 100% agree with what you're saying. It does feel like a war drama, but there's so much action in this movie, and it's, you're just like, ah, the yeah. whole movie, you're just on the edge of your seat. It's crazy. It's a nonstop adrenaline thrill ride. It's a slam, a slam bang action thriller. Slam bang action thriller. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we're we're back, guys. It's 2020. <clears throat> Did you have a nice uh, New Year? I've talked to you about it, but I just yeah, for, no, no. Sake of talk to here, oh, wanna... Ben, thank you for asking. How was your New Year's Eve, Andrew? <clears throat> uh, New Year's Eve, I, I did nothing. Yeah. I literally, I, I hung out with my girlfriend. We made dinner at home, and and that was it. I and was we... in the same boat. I didn't do anything. You hung out with my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not, what I was, not what I was getting at. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's weird. You get older. I, I kind of in the same boat as you, where you were telling me it's like uh, New Year's has never really been like one of your favorite holidays to go yeah, out, celebrate, yeah. go crazy, go wild. And it's kind of a chit show here in LA. Yeah, there's lines everywhere. Everything's way overpriced. Um, cops I'm, are cops are <clears throat> absolutely intent on giving you a DUI. Oh, they so are. if you're going to go anywhere, it's like if you're going to go somewhere far, it's like I'm a hundred percent Ubering. I'm not going to get anywhere near even drink, having one drink and getting no. in my car. No. Uh, I actually read an article where, because I was in Utah, I was in, in Utah visiting my family for Christmas, and they changed the legal limit of alcohol from .08 to .05 the prior year on New Year's Eve without telling anyone. That is such horse shit. So the law went into effect on the 31st, uh, or maybe I guess it went into in effect at uh, the 1st at midnight. Yeah. So they gave out an insane amount of DUIs that people were like .05. Well, the crazy thing about it, and, and I should clarify what I was just saying a second ago, uh, you should never you should never be drinking and even questioning <laughs> yeah, the car no. ever. I'm but, at .05, let's go. <laughs> but like... I'm 200 pounds plus. I'm six foot two, and if I have a beer and I do it an hour and I get in my car, I'm legally in the limit to drive, no question. Like yeah. I will digest and metabolize a beer, and there's no question. However, if you have that drink and immediately get in your car and get pulled over, there's a chance your blood alcohol level will be above. Yeah. This is I've seen it happen to many people I know where they get in their car right after having their like first a drink shot or something, and they get screwed. And on New Year's Eve, and the same as the Fourth of July, that is when because they're trying to hit their quota of the number of DUIs they're going to have to give out, traffic tickets, things like that. It's all just a budget. The city and the federal they have a budget they're trying to hit. This is how much money we need to make, so yeah. we need to give these things out, and that's what happens. And it's it's devastating. I've known a lot of people that have gotten Deweys doing this, and it's it's horrible. Luckily for us, <clears throat> we are old people that just sat yes. at home and did, did nothing. And did so, absolutely nothing. Uh, but one thing that we both did do over the last couple of weeks was watch 1917. I know that we both love this movie. We love war movies. We love movies that are shot brilliantly, beautifully. And this kind of sets the bar for maybe the most beautifully shot film ever. Yeah. It is one of the more incredible films visually I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, this film has not come out wide release yet. So yep. those that are watching it... In theaters, we'll, we'll see it next week more than likely. Um, and we know a lot of people that have seen it because obviously in the critics' world, it's it's been out and out and about. And mm-hmm. it is open in the larger market. So you can go see it in theaters right now in Los Angeles and New York. Um, this movie blew me away. And I didn't know... I didn't know what this movie was. I didn't either. Like, I had seen the trailer. We had talked about it. It looked incredible. I mean, I was so excited to watch it. But no one... <clears throat> no one talked or no one spoke about or no one tried to sell you on the idea of this is how this movie is shot. Yeah. Go see it because of that. They were like, go see this good movie. And then you're like sitting there and, you know, obviously you and I had heard it. Um, well, actually, let's do let's do our preamble real quick. Yeah, let's I say hello to everyone. Let's say thank you. Uh, we got a couple patrons to shout out. Patreon.com slash team action. It has been amazing. Definitely a Christmas miracle, if you will. Christmas the miracle. Influx. Well, holiday miracle. We'll call it that. Um 
the influx of patrons we got over the last month uh, throughout November and December all the way up to, I mean, now here we are in January, has just been amazing. And it's been so cool to see our Patreon grow. So, excuse me. If you guys are patrons already, thank you so very much. We have two patrons to shout out that are brand new. Jake Flagg and Aaron Spice. Big, big time salute to you two gentlemen. Thank you very much for your support. And if you guys don't know what that is, go check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash teamact. We put up a ton of content on there, behind the scenes, schmodown reviews, extra content that you and I just think of, funny, random stuff. Uh, We do, you know, some movie trailer reactions we're going to start doing on there, maybe, uh, but I think the most important thing is to go to youtube.com slash action industries and subscribe to that because we are going to be starting and launching a new show on yeah. there. Just you and myself. There is a new show coming. Uh, big stuff happening in 2020 <clears> for <throat> action industries for the, the, the band formerly known as uh, Team Action. Um, Andrew and I, you know, we've done this show now for f- almost five years here, Action Movie Anatomy. This is the flagship show of the action brand. We have done a show called The Action Guys over on Collider for the last year. Um, and we've done these live streams and schmodown things. And uh, we are going to be doing something special and sweet and exciting on our channel. Uh, that channel will soon have its own flagship show, which we're very excited to announce. So go check out our episode of The Action Guys this week. Uh, it's only on the audio feed, I believe. Um, but, you know, if you can, you can go listen to that final episode uh, uh, of, of this old sort of regime, uh, because so much new stuff happened at Collider. Yeah, a lot of um, stuff happened at Collider. A lot of things happened on Twitter. But for yeah. us, it's been really great. Uh, our live streams have been through the roof. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're kind of welcoming in the new year. Um, you guys, you'll be able to hear that on the podcast feed. So go check that out and, uh, and hear all the news on the updates. And today here on Action Movie Anatomy, we are talking about 1917, directed by Sam Mendez. Um, action movies on this show adhere to four basic rules. That's what yep. we've been doing for years. And we'll shout them out just really quickly. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Uh, not a whole lot of... Uh, not not a whole lot of that in this movie. Yeah, I mean, because when you're watching a real true war movie, you don't get that because that's not the way war works. That's not what happens. And usually you're following the soldiers, not the general making the decisions. Right. So I guess if you were the general, maybe, but not in this movie, not at all. Yeah. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, what have you in the room. I mean... The smartest guy in the room in the sense that, spoiler alert, we're going to spoil this movie yeah, for this you Yeah, this movie will be very spoiled. Uh, the the protagonists achieve the goal, so they are the smartest because they are able to outsmart the... And time, I guess, is the villain. Time time really is the villain, and I and yeah, it doesn't really feel like the Germans are. It doesn't yeah. feel like the Nazis really are the villain. Uh, they are just kind of... There's there's bad Germans throughout that you kind of run into, but for well, the most part... And they're not Nazis in this movie, right? Yeah, that, I mean, I guess they're just... Well, I mean, I it's know, World War One, right? Yeah, but we're... And they're Germans... But is that Nazis? Is that not? I don't think that's Nazis. Is it not I, yet? I, it's uh, unfortunately not Nazis. Yeah. Not. Okay. Yeah, because Hitler is 20 years old. Well, I know that Hitler is that, but I wasn't sure if there was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, All yeah, right. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's so excuse unique. me. It's, well, it's, it, it should be noted because I think anybody watching may make the exact same mistake. Right. It's a rare occurrence to see a major World War One movie. There's not very many. No, World there's War II is. And when you hear. When you hear period piece war movie and you hear German, you immediately think Nazi because why wouldn't you? That's what all the movies are made about. Right. And they're and they're wearing the same stuff that you see them in. I mean, they don't have the swastika, but yeah. like even the pilot that you run into. So my mistake there. Uh, but villain, I, it's got to be time. It just has to be time. And time's yeah. always the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political or mercenary figure. I mean, they are military. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's a lot of exploding things in there this are. movie. There Very are some many. crazy... There are some crazy explosions in this movie. This Visually, this is one of the most amazing films I've ever seen in my whole life. 100%. I can think of almost no movie that has ever uh, blown me away as much. And speaking of which, coming up today on the show, we are going to be talking about movies that blew our mind. Uh, we're each going to list three movies that absolutely blew us away. Uh, we're also going to be talking about... Uh, oh, we changed the segment. Yeah, we were going to... We were So we were going to talk about... Um, kind of a, another director that's got like a one hit wonder something that they put out there that was just massive and then they kind of fell off for a while or maybe have still fallen off and you know uh, Sam Mendes we all know him mainly from American Beauty that that's was kind the, of his yeah. his one uh, and he also did Road to Perdition which you and I love we weren't really big fans of the James Bond films but He's back. He's definitely back. And this movie hits you in all the right ways. It's beautiful to watch. It's very, very well directed. The acting is amazing. All of it from top to bottom. You look at it, and of course, with him winning Best Director at the Globes last night, you go, wow, Sam Mendes... He never really went away, but no one really looked at him the same way as they did when he made American Beauty. Yeah, well, and I think it's also a testament to just how talented he is because all these years later, he's still, it's not like people would say the name Sam Mendes and people are like, oh yeah, he used to uh, be good. It's yeah. like, 
people would still say Sam Mendes, like, well, it's a movie by Sam Mendes. We need yeah. to watch this. You know, we knew there was a war film coming out directed by Sam Mendes. We were excited. We were very excited. So, so you know the quality was there. So we're going to have a little bit more of a discussion about that. If you guys do want to follow along with anything that we're doing personally, because this year, 2020, this is the year of action. We are trying to build this brand as big as we can. And to do that, we need the support of all of you guys that watch and listen to the show. So if, you, if you're sitting here watching, you're thinking you haven't already done it, please Click that subscribe button here on Popcorn Talk. Follow the show. Go ahead and follow at Andrew Guy, at Ben Bateman Media on all of our socials, you know, Twitter and an Instagram. And uh, and Action Industries everywhere else. That's that's you can find our YouTube, Andrew mentioned. We have a Patreon. Just trying to build it out, build it bigger and bigger. Um, so so please do that. I think we should get into our first segment on the show. This is a segment we do called Thesis Statement. This is your biggest, boldest thought about the movie, right? So you watch a movie, and you think about, okay, when I talk about this movie at a party, when this movie comes up in a conversation with other respected film nerds, this is my point about the movie. This is the thing I'm going to say. The most important detail for me is this. The biggest, the greatest, the first, the only, rooted in hyperbole. What you got? What I'm going to say is that this is the most beautifully a film has ever been shot. Ever. Ever. Now, it's not the most beautiful film I've ever seen. Okay. But it's the way that he actually shot it. So, yeah. now, when I watch it, I mean, it is amazing. But there are other movies that I also watch visually that, I, that just blow my mind completely, and I don't know if I can put this ahead of them, especially with the recency bias. But what I can say, uh, and this is interesting, because I, I went to go see this movie with my girlfriend, and she is not a movie buff at all, although she's becoming one, thank God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, she was telling me, that it took her like maybe 30 minutes to kind of get into the movie. You know, a little bit of yeah. a slow start. And, you know, there's that there's a moment specifically when it kind of feels like you push the snowball over the hill and it starts to roll for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is for me, as soon as it started and they were sitting there and then you see the camera stand up with him. And I already knew what I was getting into with how this movie was shot. Yeah. But I was immediately in because yeah. I'm all, I was already just like, this is already beautiful. Yeah. You know, like even just the first shot of just them sitting there talking and then standing up with them, I was like, this is already beautiful. It's not shaky cam. It's clean. It's smooth. And it's engaging. And, and you, mesmerizing. And it's mesmerizing. And it's going to yeah. get more and more mesmerizing as more shit goes on in the movie. Because this is them sitting and talking and then standing up. And you're just like, okay, what's next? Yeah. You know, so then you think about the war scenes that are inevitably going to come. Uh, and I was just so, so excited. So, yeah, I don't think it's the most beautiful film cinematically ever. But it is the most beautiful a film has ever been shot. Period. Yeah. My thesis statement is simpler, uh, and it's one of, if you guys follow us on social or other, or other things, you've heard me talk about it a little bit. Um, this is the best movie of 2019. It's the best movie of the year. Yeah. Um, it got a, it got a, a limited release in 2019, so technically is a 2019 movie. Um, I thought about it a lot after watching it, because at first I was, anytime you make that hyperbolic statement, the best of something. Yeah. Especially when there's recency bias involved. You really have to think. You have to think, okay, what am I saying this is better than, you know? Um, and I will say, I, I'll be honest. The biggest movie of the year that I have not yet seen is Parasite, and it's a movie that a lot of people have talked about as one of the best movies of all time. So I, love, I loved Parasite, and and I have to say that I I will I reserve the right to revise my statement after I watch Parasite if I'm blown away by it. Um, but as of right now, that is I've seen all of the other movies that are really in contention that anyone has talked about as like the best, and this movie blows my mind completely. I I, I didn't even know. What I was getting into, and I saw this at a critic screening probably like a month ago now, mm -hmm. um, three, four weeks ago or something like that. And he stands up at the beginning of the movie. They're walking. They're walking. And you start to – it was two minutes into the movie, and I'm, I was with Roxy Stryer. We were yeah. at the same screening. And I remember I, I was getting ready to lean over to – I was I kept waiting for the shot to break. And I was going to wait for the shot to break, and I was going to lean over and go like, wow, what an amazing tracking shot. Right. And after about six minutes, I was still waiting, and she leaned over, and she was like, this tracking shot is unreal. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> because like, it just doesn't stop. And neither of us knew, because they're, as they're walking, and they're, <clears throat> they're going down into that trench at the beginning, you know, these, these built trenches are walking down, passing all the soldiers, and you're like, you're like, this, this is all real. They built all this. This is all, this is, everything here has to be, and these are all actors that are all doing their thing on time. This is a timed out choreographed dance and you've got this camera that's on this track going backwards and it's it's just incredible yeah you're watching it and and again like <clears throat> the more that you know about how movies are made it's just the more awestruck you are by watching this and, and the other thing that deacons does and that sam sam mendez does in this is they don't 
do the traditional camera tricks that you do to continue these one shots. You don't see him zoom in really close on something really quick or go behind a wall or a yeah. soldier walks right in front of him. Now, there are a couple of them throughout the movie where yeah. you, you're like, okay, thank God. Because there's almost moments where you're just like, will this shot please kind of end so yeah, I can kind yeah, of focus yeah, yeah. on the movie again? I know. It's it's in a weird way. It's almost distracting. It's almost distracting because yeah. it's so mesmerizing. Totally. Uh, yes, and I, I believe it's the best movie of the year ahead of all the other ones I've seen, just for the just for the sheer purpose of, of what it's accomplishing. It's so incredible. It's so visually impressive. I found it to be beautifully acted. I thought it was really yeah. compelling. And I also love seeing no names as stars, and you see, you know, Firth and Benedict on the on the billing. Yeah, and they're they're not really in the movie at all, which is just excellent. There and there was a lot of actors like that. Richard Madden's like that. Mark mm-hmm. Strong is like that. Yeah. There's a, there's a yeah. bunch of people in this movie who they show up, and you're like, I guess you wanted to be a part of this guy's movie. So you take whatever role is given to you, but it's not a the movie's not even close to about you. No, not um, at all. And and like Mark Strong has such a distinct voice. Yeah, I think him and Firth have a more distinct voice than Cumberbatch. Did you have the same situation with Strong where you hear his voice and and you go, oh that's Mark Strong? Yeah, and then 100%. you see his face and you go, I knew it, I knew it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> immediately. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. As soon yeah. as you heard it. Um, yeah. So I mean, those are our thesis statements. I don't actually think I agree with you on the best movie of the year. Yeah, I put it. I think. I think think maybe third or fourth okay uh, i put Bar- parasite knives out in front of it and then i have to figure out between joker ford ferrari yeah and uh maybe just those two those are like the time that you're, you're like, naming yeah. a lot of my top ones um and it's also like endgame where's endgame still? i know you know it's so hard so uh we'll actually be talking about our top movies of 2019 over on the action guys later today well I wasn't sure if we were doing that this week or maybe the next week, but we're, that's an episode of, that is coming very soon. I can I can guarantee that. <clears throat> okay. Um, so, okay. So, uh, but yes, we we are so excited to be talking about 1917, and this movie blew my blew my mind completely. So, uh, we're going to get into the next part of the show here. We are moving over to fist pump moments. Something happens in the movie. You look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? This is so awesome. This is unbelievable. I'm so excited to watch the rest of this movie right now. You can't even believe it. There's a bunch in this movie because there's like there's like different fist pump. I even have like a visual fist pump and then like a movie fist pump. You yeah, know what I mean? Totally. Well, cuz what it is in this movie is like there's all these there's all these crazy things that happen that they're not exciting things. They're mm-hmm. just like I can't believe I'm seeing this in this movie right now things. Uh, and for me, I think the one where I felt so riveted and I was so just like wow, what am I watching? What I'm watching now is special. It's it's when they're down in the mine. And that explosion happens, and his buddy is oh, buried. Yeah, and he gets up, and he's covered in dust, and he can't see anything, and he realizes that it's collapsing, and they're running, and he has to—he has him do the jump like, Hold on, blind. Man. Yeah, the and he jump. Doesn't. And as that is happening, you're just like you are riveted. I mean, I was when that is happening, I was like, this is so, so oh, crazy. I, I, I was like sweating. I was like gripping the seat, just like what is going to happen? I was like, did the guy already die? Did he die this early? It's my, war. My jaw was dropped. I mean, that scene. completely blew me away and then again you sit there and you think about technically how the hell they did this because there's like it feels like the world is crumbling around you and then you realize there's probably like 50 people behind this catastrophe that's happening yeah you know the camera guy all the ops all the units everyone the director is hanging out right here and you're like just the set design and it crumbling around you is it, it it was insane Absolutely insane! I love that moment. I, I I don't even think I could fist pump during it because I was so nervous. Yeah, it was so I, looking back <laughs> on it, it's the one. It's the one for me that comes to mind that is just like, wow. Yeah, straight up wow. Yeah, I mean that there's a there's a few of them. I think God, it's tough. So I have I have two, and I'll do my visual one. Uh, the visual one for me was the plane crashing into the barn, coming up over the hill and Crazy, like charging right? right at them. Yeah, because I kind of expected it to happen. Yeah. Then it happened, and I was just like, oh my god, this is, it, it was horrifying. And the way and you see it is the way it would feel yeah. in real life. It's you're like, watching this thing from a distance, down. you're like over by this barn, you're like, oh, there's this, well, it's one of our guys, they're fighting up there, and yeah. then it's coming towards you, and you're like, dogfight, yeah, this, so, this is moving too fast, I can't get out of the way, yeah. it's moving too fast. And then you see it go down, and it goes out of your sight line, and then all of a sudden it's just there. It's just like 10 feet away, it yeah. feels like, or 100 feet away, and you're, yeah, so that... For me, I was just like, oh, my God. Uh, but my actual fist pump, it actually goes hand in hand with my favorite line because there's not a lot of words spoken in this movie. No. And there's not, and, and, you know, most of them are just kind of straight down the barrel because it's a, it's a war movie with, with two young men. Um, but I did love the moment uh, where, you know, this guy, Will, he's been he's like 
basically getting drug on this death sentence, it feels like. And they're just about to get started. They're just about to go into no man's land, essentially, where the German, you know, front line is. And everyone's, you know, giving them all this crap, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. These kids are going to die. What are you doing? And he's like, all right, well, good luck. See you later. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're just about to go up. And he stops him. And he goes, age before beauty. And I was just like, yes! Because first of all, here we go. We're about to, they're about to do this. We, we've, we've set up the preamble, all the expositions there. Now they're going to go and start the mission. But it's also, for me, it gave me the fist bump because it was like, damn, dude, even through all this, even going to, to help, essentially help your brother out because yeah. you're the idiot that they picked and, and I'm your friend and yeah. now it makes me the idiot that they picked. Right. He's still like, I got your back. Right. I'm going to do this. I've been in war before. I've been in battle before. He's clearly the older one. So that, for me, when he says that, I was just like, God, it's you know, one of those moments in movies you're like, this is a good person. Yeah, right. He's a good guy. <laughs> totally. And I think, I think when, you, you know, when you feel that kind of support, you know, brotherhood, uh, it's, a, it's really palpable. It's, it's, it's really meaningful. Yeah. It's really meaningful. And I, I think it's, one of the, it's probably one of the things about war movies and sports movies that there's such a parallel. Mm. And there's also, the, especially if you're like a younger man, like, you know, and you've, and you've played sports or, or you've recently had those kinds of relationships, like it's, a, it's, it's very meaningful. I think uh, the two of them going, it's, it's really cool. So we can talk a little bit about uh, star profiles here. So Dean Charles Chapman is the, he's the, the more famous of the two, specifically because he played Tommen in, in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the sons, and he's obviously that show being so big the last few years. I didn't even recognize him, though. It's the funny part. I've seen Game of Thrones. He doesn't really look the same. I, didn't, and, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I have no idea. Yeah, at the end of it, when I looked him up, I was like, oh, he's Tommen? Like, that's crazy, right? So, uh, and then George McKay, again, you look at what these guys have done. The King, Blinded by the Light, The Commuter. I mean, these are real movies that Dean is in. The Commuter mm-hmm. is, the, is, the, is the Liam Neeson film from a couple of years ago. Neeson. I do, I, yeah. I, okay, I actually do recognize Dean Charles Chapman. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and Blinded by the Light was the, was the musical from this year. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the Springsteen. Springsteen one? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, people like that movie a lot. <laughs> it sounds like Ryan Nielsen up in the booth. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm voice to God. Sorry to chime in like that. But uh, yes, that is that is the Springsteen movie from last year. Are you I'm a fan of that movie? Massive fan. Massive Springsteen fan myself. A lot of okay. people like that movie yeah. a lot. And then, uh, the boss. did you you see 1917? No, I haven't oh, yet. you haven't everything yet. but that movie. That's we're like gonna, the one I have to check out. We're going to spoil some stuff for you here. We're going to ruin it for you, man. Uh, the King, which is the Netflix film with Timothy Chalamet and Joel Edgerton, which mm-hmm. pe- a lot of people really liked. And is, is Pattinson in that movie also? Yes, he yes. plays the Dauphin of France. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. He's crazy in it. You know, that's that's the kind of movie that I'm just, I'm sure this year is going to be a thing in Schmodown. I think that Netflix films this year are going to finally be a thing. You think it's going to break through? Well, I mean, we're discussing it backstage, like, you know, behind the scenes at the moment. Like, that's the thing we're talking about. Some of the rules changes. I think you have to give people a year to do it. Yeah. I don't think you can just implement it in, like, you I think you announce it for 2021 yeah. because there's too much to go watch. I think study. I think what we would have to say is like um, the ones, maybe the ones that have theatrical release, like the ones that are, you know, are contenders that are up for awards. You know, mm-hmm. like a movie like Roma, for instance, it feels like pretty unfair to not be able to include Roma. Definitely. I just think you know, that I, I personally just think if you're going to include them, you got to give people competitors like, time. Yeah, you it's brutal because it's just so, there's so much, there's so many of them. But Right. Um, right. And like what qualifies because there's, you can't, I mean, yeah, exactly. one on like. I mean, Triple Frontier and Bright, those are like movies that you're like, okay, those were big billboards movies but yeah you know you talk to me about like because like what do you do about a movie like always be my maybe right that's what i mean that's that's a movie that i feel like way more people saw always be my maybe than the king or but even, the king has a way bigger cast yeah yeah interesting i right? don't know i don't know man <clears throat> uh and then lastly we have colin firth mary poppins returns in 2018 the command in 2018 and mamma mia here we go again in 2018 uh i thought these guys killed it yeah i really do i think they were they were Really, really well cast, and they were just unrecognizable enough uh, with enough experience to hold or carry the film. Yeah, um, I was, I was big fans of them. It's amazing how, like, when you have a movie like this, you know, you can. One thing, one of my heroes, Bill Simmons, always does is he likes to compare uh, things to sports. Like he, yeah. he'll relate pop culture and movies and stuff to sports. And if you look at the construction of a movie like this, it's like, all right, if Sam Mendes is the coach, if he's your, if he's your Popovich, your Belichick. You know, and you have these younger, these rookies, you know, guy, the, the, the George McKay and the Dean Charles Chapmans of the world who need to mm-hmm. come in here and they need to do a lot of the heavy lifting. But you still need the veterans. 
you still need 38-year-old LeBron James on the team. You know, and so that's where you have the Colin Firth and, and the, the Benedict, Benedict and the they, Mark. And they have five minutes or six minutes, but, you know, they come in for five, six minutes and they put up, you know, like 14 and like four assists or something like that. Right. And you're you like, know, like three threes. Like, they, you know, they need to come in and they need to have a big few minutes because that's how this movie gets sold. That's how people, you know, you see the trailer for the movie. And it just gives, yeah, you see the trailer for the movie and they put in Pen- Cumberbatch and Firth. Right, because if, if they don't. It's not as legitimate. You and I care a lot because we like Sam Mendes. We think it looks amazing. But a lot of people, if they don't see a couple stars they recognize, it's funny. I was just listening to a podcast talking about Dunkirk, and they say something similar. Like, a lot of kind of younger, unrecognizable actors in a lot of the main roles, but it's rounded out with, you know, the Tom Hardy, the Cillian Murphy, yeah. the Mark Rylance, you know, the, these these people who have done big things big, these last couple yeah, years. Yeah, heavy hitters in, in Hollywood, if you will. So I actually think this is an interesting moment to talk about Sam Mendes. Um Sam Mendes is most famous for, you know, American Beauty. That was the one. It was the first movie he ever directed. And, you know, he still went on to do other good things like Revolutionary Road. We love Road to Perdition. Spectre, Skyfall. uh, Away We Go. Jarhead. But none of them were quite on the same level as American Beauty. Whereas this movie is in the same boat of being like, it could just win Best Picture. I think it probably will. You think so? Yeah. You know, that's something that I almost wonder if we should have that conversation instead because I saw people asking in the chat, what awards do you think this will win or be nominated for at the Oscars? Now, obviously, we assume and, and you know, cinematography feels like almost a, a no-brainer. That's a lock, right? Yeah. Like, I, I can't see the world watching this movie and uh, and not giving it to Deacons. I mean, there's this, it's one of the most amazing visual things I've ever seen happen in a and movie. It's, and, he, and, and he is just one of the emo- most amazing things to happen to movies visually, period. Yeah, and I think, um, if you, I mean, the Golden Globes were last night. We can mm-hmm. we can talk a little bit about some of the winners if you want to pull up. Yeah, I have uh, them right here. The winners here, because, you know, this movie won Best Motion Picture Drama. Yep. Um, you know, which is which is the crown jewel kind of of, of the Golden Globes in terms of uh, the, the, the movie awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the comedy and musical awards tend to have a little bit less weight. And same can be said for the dramatic actor and actresses. And Mendez won director as well. So it really got the big awards, the ones that you expect uh, the movie to get. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like the kind of movie that the Academy is very comfortable giving awards to because it's a war movie, which is traditional. That's 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 a category that the Academy is usually pretty you know in awe of. A lot of the voters, uh, they're going to connect less to a movie like a Joker. Um, you know, they're not going to. And I think Marriage Story is is kind of a. That's the kind of movie I could see getting pretty high, but it doesn't feel quite spectacular enough to make the impact that this one makes. I don't think so. I mean, <clears throat> I can't believe that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won Best Screenplay. That's going to be the, to me, it's the, the toss-up for... It's crazy to me. Because that won Best Comedy or Musical, right? Yeah. So, it's to me, it's 1917 or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood feel like the front runners for Best Picture right now. That feels like where... That, that's what Wait, I'm what expecting. did you say? Sorry. It feels like the front runners for Best Picture are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and 1917. Those are the two movies it's seen. And that's obviously based on the Golden Globes winning, but... That's to me. That would be the, the pretty clear. The only other movie that I can think of that's in the conversation, but it won't win, would be Parasite. It will get nominated, but it won't win Best Picture. It just feels crazy for me for Parasite to lose Best Screenplay to Quentin Tarantino writing a story that basically did happen, and then he changes the end of it. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's weird too because you and I are not the biggest fans of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We yeah. liked it. I think we both liked it a lot. I, I really enjoyed that movie. It just I liked it. It was fine. Yeah, I and and in retrospect, it has a lot of memorable <clears throat> scenes. I, I kind of feel like I want to watch it again. I do need to watch it again. Definitely, it, it definitely feels like I don't remember it as fondly as like maybe i could as everyone else does i guess i mean it has it has so many moments that you and i both loved right Mm -hmm. like (laughs) but none of them were actually like i didn't feel this movie made me feel certain ways yeah almost the entire thing right whereas once upon a time in hollywood didn't make me feel that ever there was just like oh this is a good scene oh leo's funny when he's drunk oh brad pitt's cool i like watching him throw bruce lee into a car even though bruce lee was depicted very oddly like yeah the whole thing is just like fine enough but anyway, so and there's a lot, of, and there's a lot of humor, like that, that stuff at the end when the when he, the guy's holding the gun on, and he's like, "I'm the devil," and, he, and, and what Brad Pitt's like, "Nah, I was dumber than that. I was dumber than that, uh, Rex." Yeah. Or, or. <laughs> uh, so I think another director that's actually kind of in the exact same boat of, as Sam Mendes, yeah, is M Night Shyamalan. 
I so would agree. You, so you think about The Sixth Sense and yeah. what that was and, and kind of shook the world. And then he had a few movies in there that a lot of people liked, a lot of people didn't like. Incidentally, was, The Sixth Sense, same year. Yeah. They came right. out. They ba- they both basically broke onto the scene the same year. And they both were just, it was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Look at these guys. Look at the movies. You blew my mind, you know, in different ways, obviously. And then they've got the weird ones in there, like Lady in the Water and, you know, things like that. And, you know, Avatar, for us. The Last Airbender. Yeah, Last Airbender. For us, it's like Spectre with Sam Mendes. We both really, really really didn't like Spectre. Yeah, yep. Um, but now, with Split and... Um, glass? And Glass, and then obviously 1917, it does feel like these guys are just right back in it. Yeah, it definitely feels like the, <clears throat> the impact of 1970... Like, it, it feels like uh, Shyamalan dropped off a lot harder mm-hmm. and has climbed back some, but not quite in the same way. Because it also feels like the funny part is, like, people don't think of Sam Mendes' career dropping off in the same way that we do. Right. right. Like, like Shyamalan's made some real stinkers, like really bad movies. The worst movie that Sam Mendes has ever made is probably Spectre. Like, all the other movies that we would consider to be subpar, like Jarhead, Revolutionary Road, even for us, Skyfall, we're not the biggest fans of. Yeah. None of those movies are outright bad. I think Spectre's yeah, I mean, pretty I like, bad. I like Skyfall, okay. Yeah, I mean... Skyfall's pretty good, <clears throat> like... I think Spectre's bad. Yeah, I think it's the only one. Yeah. I think Spectre's outright bad. But I think the rest of the stuff Mendez has done, because he has such a visual touch, he's so aware of putting his movie together in a way that's visually pleasing, I don't think he has... The, like, like Shyamalan wants to take chances in a different way. He, like, swings for the fences on every movie he makes. Mm-hmm. And if it works, it works really well. But if it doesn't, then you end up with Lady in the Water or... You know, and then he started like when he when he started directing movies that weren't his movies, like when he did After Earth. Right. That's a good indicator of like we're in a different class now. So do you think that these guys let's start with Mendes. You think he's just I mean, he never it feels like he never really actually left. But do you feel like he's back in the same? I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, he's still getting the biggest movies in the world. If you ask me after Spectre comes out, which we were doing the show at the time, we were supposed to cover Spectre that week. And we didn't. We audibled and we covered Casino Royale instead because Spectre both really didn't like Spectre. If you had asked me in 2015, do you think Sam Mendes is one of the 10 best working directors right now in 2015? My answer is definitely no. Do you think he is now? If you ask me right now, I think my answer is yes. Really? And I think my answer is yes, because the touch that it takes to make a movie like this mm-hmm. in the way that he just made is such an such a reminder and an indicator of the quality he's able to put together. I mean, maybe he's outside the top 10. I just I can't watch this movie and really think that considering he won Best Picture in 99 and then this is going to win Best Picture this year, I'm pretty sure. And American Beauty shot really, really well. Of course, it's a very beautiful film. Do you think <clears throat> that without Deacons, this movie is even close to as good? Well, it's hard to know because, right. I mean, Deacons is amazing. But if you tell if you give another amazing cinematographer the same premise, we're going to mm-hmm. shoot this movie. It's it's not so much that because, I mean, Deacons scenes are incredible. It's like they look amazing. But also it's the premise of the movie that makes it so impressive. I think there's a lot of cinematographers that could have pulled it off with mm-hmm. him. I mean, not a lot, but right, right. But more the top than one. five or whatever could probably yeah. hold it off if they had the same. But then that also becomes a conversation that we don't really know a lot about, which is the conversation between Sam and 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 Deacons about like, oh, I want this movie to be a one shot, and then Deacons is like, okay, I'm going to make this work. Or if it's like Sandman is like, I want this to be a one shot. Here's the storyboards. Here's the shot. Yeah, this is what I want. Right. And then Deacons is like, I can I can do that. Yeah, you know, right. I, I just wonder which one it is. So uh, we'll get into production development. We'll breeze through it a little bit. I think the biggest thing here to talk about is that, you know, Mendez, he says at the very end of the movie, you know, this is in dedication to his grandfather who told him these stories that inspired him to write this movie. Um, he basically just said it's the story of a messenger who has a message to carry. And that's all I can say. Uh, it lodged with me as a child, the story or this fragment, and I've obviously enlarged it significantly, significantly. But it has that at its core. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think what was so fascinating about the story of this movie is sixteen hundred soldiers in the grand scheme of things is nothing, right? Right. Like when you talk about world wars, sixteen hundred soldiers is very, very small. Yeah, hundreds uh, of thousands, millions of people dead. Right, and and obviously I don't think that it's a small number in my mind, but sixteen hundred <laughs> in the grand scheme of things during war feels kind of small. And I thought what was so interesting about the end of this movie, and I think that gave it even more legitimacy, was Cumberbatch basically telling him to fuck off. Yeah, that's literally the words he uses at the end of the movie after he saved probably 1,300 people at that point, maybe yeah. 12. Yeah. Uh, and he does this mission all on his own. And it's just like, and then it's just like, who are you again? I don't care. Get the fuck out of here. You're yeah. interrupting my meeting now. Right. I'm a general or a captain. You don't belong here. And it's so crazy that after this huge journey, it's just like, all right, 
Thanks. On the yeah. next one. Right. It's like the, you went through this life-changing, amazing journey that where you almost died and you risked everything to save all these people. And, you know, you lost your brother here. Not your brother, but you lost yeah. your friend here whose brother it was in the first place. You continued on the mission. We probably still lost two or 300 <laughs> people because you weren't quite fast enough. And I don't care. Fuck off. And I need to move on. Now we'll see what's yes. next. Yep. You know? and, and, and I love that because... It's just true. It's just super authentic. Right. And I thought it was, I thought that kind of also just played into what was so fascinating about like that line that Mendez wrote is just like, this is just a story that a grandpa told a kid. Right. And for some reason, this kid actually became Sam Mendez so he could tell this story. But otherwise, none of us would have ever known about this. It didn't quite have the same uh, reality grabbing uh, audacity as uh, Baldwin saying, you know how we're going to win this war? We're going to win this war. Them. Them. <laughs> that movie was wonderful. Just a uh, wonderful Pearl Harbor. Film. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to keep talking about Sam Mendes. We kind of gave you a whole breakdown on his career already. Uh, should we play another game before we get into this box office stuff or no? Yeah, sure. Yeah. What was the other one? I do have another stat oh, for you guys. Oh, quick, yeah. Just in case you want to know. Uh, yes. Just, so the, the past 10 years, Golden Globes, Best Picture winners for drama, five out of the 10 have gone on to win Best Picture at the Oscars. How about, uh, do you, did you look at the comedy or musical winners? comedy musical, two out of the 10 have gone. So that's a total so of seven, seven of 10. So seven out of 10. I, I, the only movie really that I can see, I mean, unless we're talking about like an upset here where like Marriage Story or Parasite gets it or something. But it feels like to me it, it would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because of the Hollywood loving, the self-referential Hollywood stuff, the star power. Uh, that's that's the movie that could just win over this because this is a stuffy war film for a lot of people, even though it's amazing. So uh, it should be Knives Out. Yeah. I mean, I love Knives Out. That's <clears throat> the funniest part about this conversation. It's so hard. Is like, it's just, I don't know what it is about a genre movie that's so hard for a genre movie to feel like it jumps into that same meaningful conversation for me. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact to me that it wasn't even nominated for screenplay at the Globes is crazy to me, because I think it's so well-written yeah. and funny and clever. I agree. So, yeah, it's very interesting. What were you going to say? You were like, oh, the other game? The other game we're going to do is movies that blew our mind. Yeah. Because this movie visually, did visually blow my it. mind visually, so I think we're going to maybe cite three movies each that on first watch, like, jaw-dropping, could not believe it. One of the more amazing experiences I've ever had watching a movie. I'll, I'll just jump in first with one that I think is uh, somewhat predictable, but it, it was mind-blowing, and that's Avatar. Yeah. And I think, um, not because I like Avatar that much. We've covered it on the show. You guys all remember some of the stuff we said about it. Best thing about it, Stephen Lang. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Lang and his sweet scar. Yeah, so um, awesome. But it's just amazing. Like, when you saw it in theaters on screen, it was one of those things that... You, you knew you knew that something special had happened. Mm -hmm. It's not even like a movie that I really have any intention of ever rewatching, and I'm pretty positive that Avatar 2, James Cameron thinks, is going to dethrone Endgame, is going to be one of the biggest flops in the history of film. You think so? You think I, it's gonna I think that Avatar 2 is going to lose a lot of money. I think that movie is going to make like $700 million worldwide or something. Avatar was just not very good. Yeah. It really wasn't. Like, you know, going when we went back and rewatched it, I just didn't enjoy it. But visually, I still remember being in the theater and just being blown away. Yeah. It was mesmerizing. It was amazing. And obviously, the 3D, seeing real, real 3D for the first time was just crazy. So uh, I'm going to hop in with... I think I'm going to hop in with one of my uh, like true classic favorites, and that's The Fountain. Oh. The Fountain is a movie. It's Rachel Wise and uh, and our boy, Huge, uh, directed by Aronofsky. Yep. And um, Aronofsky, he did a lot of really, really cool stuff with water under microscopes to replicate what space looks like. Yeah. And it was just... I, I just, Still to this day, when you go back and watch it, it is just... I mean, I love the movie. But visually, it blows your mind. Yeah. Uh, it really does. And that's one that has really, truly stuck with me. Uh, I fell in love with it in college. And it's still to this day, I'm just like, visually, boom. First thing that pops in my head. Yeah, I mean, I love The Fountain. <clears throat> that movie never comes up. Nobody ever talks no, about this movie. No one it's, does. This, this is a classic example of a movie where it's directed by Darren Aronofsky. So he's a director who people are still talking about today. So in our lifetime, he made movies that were legit enough that like mm -hmm. this is on the radar of film fans. But when you talk about why it's so hard to have real awareness of film history... There are directors like Aronofsky, people who had really good runs of three or four movies from the 60s and 70s and 80s that, whose names we don't even know. Yeah. And, and because The Fountain's not his best movie or his second or even his third best movie, it's somewhere in that like fourth or fifth range. A lot of people will never watch it. Right. Time will go on and no one will ever remember this movie happened, which is so 
bizarre and so effed up to me. I can't believe that. And also, like, when it came out and the star power of all three of them, it was, it was a pretty good moment yeah. for all of them. I mean, none of them are as famous. I mean, I mean Hugh Jackman's the most famous that he's probably ever going to be right now. Yeah. But, like, Aronofsky, Hugh, and Rachel Wise were all big at the time. So uh, really surprised that people don't talk about that movie more. But visually... That is my first number. That's my first pick. Like, if you go and talk about, like, William Friedkin, who made, like, French Connection in 71, and then he made The Exorcist in 73, back to back. Mm -hmm. His next movie is a movie called Sorcerer, with, I think it's, like, got Roy Scheider from Jaws. No one will ever talk about the movie Sorcerer. Right. right, You've probably never heard of it, right? I've never seen it. Nope, never heard of it. I, like, remember somebody the other day told me how good it was, and I was like, oh, wow, this was Friedkin's next movie after The Exorcist and Best Picture French Connection? And that's a movie that will, like, basically never come up. And I think that just blows my mind. So The Fountain feels that way to me. Yeah. Um, my next one's going to be The Matrix. I, I Oh, that's you know, a good one. Not another 99 film. We're talking about Sixth Sense. We're talking about American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie that... The trailer blew my mind, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 this movie, when it came out, bullet time, and the way the camera captures happened, and all that stuff, it was so mesmerizing and so cool and so unbelievable to watch. Um the the visual look of so many the the shots of all the like <coughs> the people being like harvested and all that mm-hmm. which is so funny because the matrix reloaded and the matrix revolutions don't have any of that like it's not they're not impressive movies at all it's just the difference of when you do something and it's impressive at the time how impactful it can be the combination of this movie being visually impressive but also a good movie you know yeah just just a couple years later... <coughs> well, that's what I feel like 1917 is to Avatar. Yeah. You talk about something that's kind of innovative, and yes, there have been other movies that are one-shot, but not quite like this. It doesn't... It hasn't... It's, Birdman didn't feel this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that the story in this one is exponentially more gripping and more riveting uh, than than what you got with Avatar. So I love The Matrix. That that would be on my list if it wasn't on yours. Next up, I'm actually going to go to uh, a movie that I've I've only seen once. But I do remember watching it and being stunned by it, and that was Gravity. Yeah. It was so cool. The shots you get from space down to Earth, the explosions going on, them floating around. It was it just you feel like you're there. Yeah. Which is that even possible in a space movie to feel like you're there? Yeah, maybe but not. You really did. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is a movie that is just beautiful. I mean, look at that. Yeah. Look at that. You're like, how the hell did you get these shots? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. I think uh I think the one I would go with next. Well, that's a really good one. I I think I'll actually go a little more down the middle, and it's. I'm just going to say it's The Dark Knight. Okay. Because right. because with The Dark Knight, what I remember feeling, I mean, there's Nolan is you know pretty impressive. I think you could pick, there's five Nolan movies you probably could pick on this list. Yeah. If you told me Interstellar, know, Inception, or Inception, Interstellar, I think they all have a lot going on. But even Dark Knight Rises is just the opening shot. But yeah. Dark Knight, from the minute the movie opens, you have this bank robbery and these big IMAX camera shots. And you have stuff like him jumping off the building in Hong Kong. Mm, And you have all these incredible shots in that movie. You have the semi-flipping. I mean, the look and the color and the feel of this movie and the size and the scope of so many of these shots, they they blew my mind. I mean, I, I saw this movie and I thought about this movie for, you know, what felt like months and months and months afterwards. And I saw it twice in theaters, I remember, and just... It doesn't feel the same way when I watch it now, but it also doesn't feel that far from it. Yeah, I mean, every every shot in that movie is is amazing. And you're talking about, like, a comic book movie that just kills it. Yeah. You know? Uh, for me, I almost just want to mention all the other movies that, have, that like, we, we were talking about that could be uh, on this list. I mean, even Jurassic Park. We, yeah. We, when we watched Jurassic yeah. Park, we were blown away yep. by Mad Max, Interstellar, as you just mentioned. Uh, how about all of the Lord of the Rings movies? Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, it's been 20 years, but how can you forget? If I had to pick one more, though, I'd probably go Sunshine. Yeah, I, I love, love Sunshine. I love Sunshine. And, you know, so... Uh, what about Endgame? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Endgame, to see when, when the portals open and all the heroes come out, Right? Like, yeah. how does that not blow your mind? I mean, that, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But those are our three each. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Let us know in the chat. We got people saying La La Land, uh, Tron Legacy, oh, yeah. uh, Blade Runner 2049. Someone else said OG Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park, Terminator 2. I mean, The I Water gotta, Planet and Interstellar. So incredible. So crazy. I got to go rewatch 
2049 at some point. I know, I know. That, that, that feels like a movie that, you know, has, has aged in my mind and should not have aged quite as much because it's, it's such an impressive film for so many people. Yeah, uh, so we're actually going to probably skip over box office just because the movie isn't officially released all over the world or yeah. internationally, globally, uh, even all over here in the States. But what we can talk about is it's got an 8.6 on IMDb, which is very, very high. Uh, it puts it at, is it ranked? trying to see if it's right 8.6 should put it should in the top be. 250 yeah but maybe not yet because it's not officially released for everyone uh but yeah 8.6 on imdb which is excellent i think that's i think that's pretty fair yeah i mean i'd probably give this movie closer to a nine nine yeah. nine plus i think uh i mean there's parts of me that probably just give this movie a perfect 10 honestly the more i think about it i it's always so hard when you see a movie a new movie for the first time to, to rank it properly yeah. like i i tend to have the recency bias thing and when you and i talked about our best movies of the decade we didn't put any 2019 films because yeah. the recency bias is just too hard to rank them it's too hard to compare movies i think other people are more capable of doing it i like to give it some time but i would really have to think about what about this movie is less than perfect for me well yeah i was actually just going to ask you that what about this movie where does it does, where does it fall apart for you and and i think for me it's and this is again like a, a it's tough. It's like a catch twenty two because I think the worst part of the movie is the character development. Yeah, but I think that's a, on purpose. Yeah, these are nameless, faceless soldiers, and for the most part, you don't really know a whole lot about each other. You don't talk about each other. Yeah, you don't care about each other's lives. I mean, at the very end of this movie, you see that the person you've been following for the whole time that you think is like seventeen, yeah, has a wife and two kids. Yeah, and he's already been to war before. He's already won a medal. You yeah. know, like he's it's crazy. Yeah. Um. So that, for me, I think was maybe the only thing about the movie that maybe left me a little disconnected. But I also think it was intentional, so it's hard to, to, to hate on it. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Uh, I really don't know what I think the things that would take away from this movie would be. I'd want to watch it again and really and really watch it sort of with that fine-tooth comb. Um, yeah, I, I really Nothing. don't know. I think it, it started <clears throat> to feel a little slow in the middle of the movie, I think, for me, around the time that he meets the French woman. Uh, with her kid, that's that's when the movie starts, like starts to feel a little slow. I guess, which yeah, is like the yeah, third yeah. act. It's dragging a little, but I mean, again, that's pretty hard to avoid with most movies you love. Like this, every almost every great movie I can think of, I could I could point to a spot that it feels like it slows down, and that's also intentional. Again, yeah. like the, the the these both these moments that we're talking about that we're trying to find something wrong with this movie are intentional moments because that moment in the movie lets you breathe. You need it. I mean, I remember sitting in the theater, and when he would take a breath, and when things would calm down, you could audibly hear the theater take a breath, yeah, and shift, and like eat their popcorn, and, and like talk to one another, you know. So I think those are both, you know, super intentional, and, and uh, that's why this movie is basically perfect. And apparently, it needs twenty five thousand votes. That's what I've seen. And Philip A. Demick here says Twister is mind blowing in the theater. It's blood home. Well, <laughs> I do remember seeing Twister in the theater. Jean Jean Devant. You know the name Paxton. of the device. That's a question. Shmodown question. You, the name of the device? Yeah. I mean, Dorothy? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well done. Uh, so it's got a 90% on the tomato meter, 95% by the audience. Do you have a favorite line from the movie? You know, I was trying to remember. Uh, the hardest thing about favorite line when we see new movies is that I don't like bringing out my phone, and I, I don't bring yeah. a notepad. So there's often... I don't have a favorite line usually with these movies because time passes, but... Eh. I like when he acknowledges that he put his hand through a dead guy. I'm trying yeah. to remember what he says. He's like, I put my hand through a German. Yeah. Or something like that. Something yeah. like that. That was one of my favorite moments in the whole movie, actually. That that that, yeah. that he did that, because he cuts his hand, uh, and, and then he puts it in the dead guy. And was like, ah! In the theater, everyone did that. Because you, you, what I think the reason I like it so much is that you watch that, and you're like... Yeah, I can imagine that happening. Like, 100%. Like, you cut your hand because, like, it's this dirty battlefield. Everything's sharp and rusty. And there's this dead guy, and he's kind of decomposed, and you slip, and your hand goes in him, and you just... You're just like, oh, oh God, what did I just get? What did I get? It just doesn't, what, if I don't get shot, then I'm going to get killed by this thing? Uh, you know, like, that's what I thought. Uh, oh, dude. And then the bodies, all the bodies that had piled up at the end of the movie. He's crawling the waterfall. out of the water. And you think about that, and you're like, that just makes sense. Of yeah. course... Thousands of people have fallen into this river when they've died or been thrown into the river to be killed, and they just pile up. No one cleans so up crazy. shit during war. Yeah. So crazy. <clears throat> I know. All these floating, and he's just crawling over them. Yeah. I mean, this movie had some visual stuff that pretty hard to, to unsee. Yeah. I, I And I think, you know, another one of those visuals to talk about is what happens to the kid. Yeah. When... when you know, so the plane crash happens, and again, this is a big, big-time spoiler, so Ryan, if you even want to take your headphones off for like a minute, you could. Got it. Um, 
when you see the plane crash and the German, they're pulling him out, and he's like, "No, he does. He needs. He needs help. He needs water." You're like, oh, "No, don't. Yeah, don't, don't do, do it, it dude." Because you're do like, it. you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. And the one guy runs away, and you're like, "Oh God, they're not focusing." And then you hear the scream, and you turn and you see, and you and you even saw the knife on the soldier and when they the pulled sa- him it's out. The saving Private Ryan up a moment. It is, and like, dude, the you're the reason I say this visually is because you see it happen. And then, you know, he shoots the German and they're sitting there and he's kind of holding him and you see the blood pouring out of him. And they do such a good job of how much blood is coming out of him. Because you, as an adult and as a person yeah. that watches movies, you're like, there's no way. Well, there's first, actually no way. Did you, con- when he gets stabbed, did you think he was going to survive? Or For you- a second. I really did. Yeah. At very first, when he like puts pressure on the wood, it really did. But then, like I'm saying, visually, it stuck with me because I remember just watching the blood pour out of him. Like, I was like, like you talk about like subtitles taking you off the movie. I was just staring at his stomach, like not paying any attention to what they were saying and just watching that pour out. And I was like, he just can't. It's such a sad death. It is. It's, and it's such a sad death when he says, like, hold, what does he say? Don't leave me. Like, hold my hand or something. Yeah, he's, like, and he has, he's also like, uh, he says, talk to me. Talk yeah, to me. Talk don't to leave me. me. That's what, yeah. Oh, my God. When he says, talk to me, I started oh, crying, I remember. Yeah. God, that's so sad. And it's so well done, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. And honestly, you think because it's his brother that he's going to be the one that's going to survive. And, and Will has already got, a, you know, um, the mind crashes on him. So you, you think, anyway, so. I know. God, yeah. So sad. So sad. Um, so anyway, guys, there are three action movie categories. I don't really think we have to dignify the question. No, um, this, this movie's totally legitimate. Totally legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but in case you guys are wondering, the last thing we do on the show is called The Pitch. Nice. Um, so we don't have a movie for next week. Yet. No, we don't. We, we, uh, uh, we have, a, we have a, a series of discussions that are going to happen today and this week to kind of plan out. Our next the 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 next little uh, sort of series here on action movie anatomy is going to be uh, we're going to change days we have to figure out the day that it's going to work mm-hmm. um, that we'll be announcing that very soon the best way to get that information is to uh, follow us on Twitter at AMA podcast no at, at Team Action Show there you go um, at Team Action Show or you can follow either of us personally they'll all get announced there so make sure you pay attention but um, I have a feeling next week is going to be. Some kind of, like, fun, older movie. Yeah, I think we should do a throwback. It feels yeah. like we should go back in time to the movies that kind of made the show what it is. Well, maybe, and maybe Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Yeah, something sweet like that. Yes. That's a good one. I love that one. <laughs> uh, God, in the beginning of that movie, they chop off guys' fingers with helicopter door shutting. It's really? Cool. It's cool. I don't yeah. remember that Maybe one. that's actually at the end. I think yeah. it's the end. Could be. Uh, and, of course, we do have a bunch of generals and five-star generals to shout out in the Action Army. Remember, patreon.com slash team action to go and sign up. We love hanging out with our generals. We do it all the time. We do it a few times a week. We do uh, Google Hangouts, but we actually have so many generals now. We need to figure out another way to voice chat with over 10 people at a time. A better system, yeah. if you will. So if you guys know of a better uh, voice chat program that can hold over 10 people, just throw it in the chat really quickly and and go become a general or at least a patron at patreon.com slash team action. These are our friends. We talk to them more than our family. So uh, we spent a long time with them after our stream last night. And uh, let's give them some love. Let's give them some yeah, love. Yeah. So we're going to a couple quick shout outs to the uh, the five star generals in the action army. That is the highest honor in the action army is to be a five star general. It was, a, it was a club originally created by Miss Movies Brianne Chandler. And uh, that five star general tier includes Mac Ryan, John Getz, Jake Yacovetta, Lucas and Alex Shashek. That's a household generalship. Mm-hmm. And Paul Denuzio or PLD as he's called. Big salute so to our five stars. five stars. And the generals <clears throat> in the action army, the second tier and the uh, the other highest Honor in the Action Army. Big general shout-outs here. Andrew Hayes, John Patterson, Jake Yacovetta, uh, who's actually a five-star. I'll also shout him out anyway. We just J- like John Patterson, Jake. Jake Yacovetta, Andrew Hayes, Kelsey Kirkland, Cody Seal, AJ Lancaster, Sari Laman Maki, Jeremiah Morris, Mike Deacon, and Jason Lasky, as well as Danny Joyce, Liam Gilpin, and Oscar Romo. Those are going to be the, uh, the generals in the Action Army. So thank you guys all so much for your support. We'll see you guys same time, same place. Bye. Week. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.